You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 65. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hello, everyone. I am so excited about this podcast today. I have a very special guest that is joining me to begin a beautiful Lenten season. His name is Father Edward Looney, and he is best known as Father Looney. Like many Catholics out there, he has been accompanying me on my spiritual journey since I started Catholic life coaching. And guess what? I have never even met him. This is because I've been listening to his podcast called The Mystical City of God Podcast in a Year. The podcast recounts the amazing book with the same title, The Mystical City of God. And you know I love that one. This is an account through private revelation of the life of the Blessed Mother and Jesus through the words of the Virgin herself, as recorded by Venerable Mary of Agreda. If you are not familiar with this amazing book that has literally changed my life and has motivated me on a deeply spiritual level to fast for the intentions of the Blessed Mother, then you need to go find it. I mean, this is so amazing. Not just to fast for the Blessed Mother, but with her, by her side, befriending her, asking her what to do, praying with her, loving her deeply, all the things. So I suggest you pick up this book in the abridgment form. That's what I have. There are four volumes, by the way, if you want the whole kit and caboodle, that's fine too. But in the abridgment form, it just gives you a big enough taste to understand what this is about. Don't start at the beginning either, but begin with the church season that we are in right now. We are in Lent at this time, but if you're listening to this at another time, just start within that church season. So in my abridged version, which I'm going to put the link in the show notes to this book, book six in my version listed starts with the baptism of the Lord and goes through the crucifixion. And I promise you, if you are listening to this during Lent, please, 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 buy one of these books, have it delivered right away and start. You will have the most profound Lent you'll ever have if you read it, especially if you read it during adoration. If you want to know more about this book, please see podcast number 18, where I discuss the book with my dear friend, Michelle Dunn. She and I did a book discussion series for almost an entire year that is hosted within my Delay and Pray group coaching experience. This is there for you for your self-paced viewing. It's phenomenal. All right. Well, this discussion with Father Looney is a two-part series. This will be this podcast and the next one. So make sure to catch both episodes. And without further ado, let me introduce you to Father Looney. Father Looney is a pastor licensed in sacred theology, a Marian theologian, president of the Mariological Society of America. He's an author of several books, a podcaster, YouTuber, film critic, and all-around amazing priest. And I think you are going to love this two-part series. Enjoy. Hello, Father Looney. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and just all of your wisdom having to do with the mystical city of God and the Blessed Mother. And 
As you know, we share a deep love of the Blessed Mother, and my audience knows that about me. I've loved her all my life. I am the recipient of a beautiful Catholic family. I'm the youngest out of eight kids. My mom and dad gifted us with the love of the rosary and the sacraments. We're very, very lucky people. We all live close proximity today, and we're close, and I believe it's the rosary and the sacraments that have kept us together. So I'd love to just begin with how you are a Mariologist and how that came about, your love for the Blessed Mother and how it manifests in your life and as well as your attraction to the Mystical City of God book. Yeah. You know, when it comes to studying Mary and stuff, you use the word Mariologist. I kind of always hesitate to call myself a Mariologist. I know by all intents and purposes, maybe I am, but I always call myself a Marian theologian and The only reason I do that is because I'm a theologian who's specialized in the study of Mary, so I don't really have a degree in Mariology per se. Like My thesis was on Mary and and such, so I always make that little distinction when it comes to the study of Mary, because there are real good Mariologists out there, and so I pale in comparison to the contributions that they've made. In fact, a great Mariologist just passed. His name was Monsignor Arthur Culkins. He would be a great Mariologist, for example. So when it comes to loving Mary, it was just something that kind of came to me. It was almost innate in a sense, like God placed that love for his mother in my life at a very young age. Uh, I grew up in a hometown where a lady went on lots of pilgrimages to uh, Medjugorje, for, for better or worse. What people's opinions are on Medjugorje, I don't know, but... My audience loves Medjugorje. We're Blessed Mother fans of all stripes. Okay, there you go. Wonderful. So I grew up in that culture because she would go to Medjugorje like three, four times a year. And so there was this, I I guess, atmosphere of Marian devotion in the parish that I grew up in even. So my mother was, for better or worse, an absentee mother, you could say. She was a single mom. She worked two jobs. So my grandmother was really my primary caregiver. But I often will associate kind of the lack of maybe the presence of my earthly mother in my life with maybe I turned to Our Lady to fill up what was lacking there. But yeah, there was just always something that drew me to Mary, to her apparitions, to books about her, to Marian devotion. So that's kind of how it came to me, at least. It was oh, always there. I think, I think that's amazing. And I think it's great for people to hear that you don't have to be from a Catholic family, like my experience. I love it that the Blessed Mother paved a way for you. She always paves a way for all of us, no matter what the situation is. So what actually drew you to the Mystical City of God and the podcast that you created years ago? Yeah, that's great. So it's actually my mother, even though maybe we didn't have the best of relationships or whatever, towards the end of her life, she died young. She died maybe at 51, early 50s. And she was a lifelong diabetic, really didn't take care of herself. And I was drawn to the mystical city of God for two reasons. The first was I was reading a biography about Solanus Casey and just was really mesmerized by his life. It was the year he was going to be beatified. So I want to write about his Marian devotion, discover what what it entailed and everything like that. So as I read this biography about Solanus Casey, I was immediately struck by the fact that he was hospitalized. He was facing the amputation of a leg and so forth. And my mother had several toes amputated. I knew it was only a matter of time till her leg would be amputated. And so I thought, oh, here's a saint that faced that himself. Now, the next day comes, Solanus didn't need the amputation. But 
I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask Solanus Casey every day to pray for my mother. I'm going to pray his prayer for beatification. I'll ask his intercession. So that's what I started doing. Kept reading the biography. And then I came upon Solanus Casey's great love for the mystical city of God, that he would recommend it to different people, that he would give copies away. In fact, if you go to the Solanus Casey Center in Detroit, you can see a copy of the mystical city of God in a display case that he's written to someone that he's inscribed. But this was just his recommendation. And people would ask his prayers and and he would give them the book. They would come back two, three weeks later and say, Father, nothing's changed. And he would say, well, did you read from the mystical city of God like I told you to? Now, I don't understand how God works. I don't understand why the mystical city of God. But this was the story of Solanus Casey, his promotion with people. And the people would say, no, we didn't. He'd say, go home, read the mystical city of God. Everything will be okay. They'd go home, they'd read the mystical city of God, and everything would work itself out. So I guess I was drawn to the mystical city then because of Solanus Casey praying for my mother. I thought, okay, he recommends reading the mystical city of God. I had the four volumes. It was something I had acquired at a time when they were like super on sale or discounted at a store or whatever. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, I've never read this. I, I, I should read this. I'm a Marian theologian after all. So I pull off the first volume and I start reading it. Now I get about a hundred pages in and my mother passes away, but every day I would read and I would pray, you know, Solanus Casey, you know, please pray for my mother, intercede for her that she'll never have her leg amputated. That was my prayer that she would never have her leg amputated. Cause I knew that I didn't think she would do well, you know, being wheelchair bound, all of that. So when I preached my mother's funeral homily, I actually preached about, well, in, in a sense, this is an answered prayer, you know, that God took her before she faced some of these other situations that would have befallen her later in her life. So, but really, I married the two, Devotion of Solanus Casey with The Mystical City of God. Now, I had stopped reading The Mystical City of God after she died. I think when I wanted to sell her her house, I started reading again, sold the house. I actually went to Detroit to pray at his grave then to, to thank God for his intercession, thank him. But I, I had stopped. I maybe made it to page 231 or something. And just when the Bible in a year got popular, I thought, well, you know what? The mystical city of God, I want to read it. Maybe I should just record this. I have a background in podcasting. I have a microphone. Why don't I just read it? And that's how the mystical city of God in a year podcast came about. It was really, I thought I owed Solanus Casey a debt of gratitude for his role, his intercession. And I thought that I would, in a sense, carry on in the torch from him of promoting the mystical city of God and making it better known. And during that year, I had the opportunity to go to Agreda to visit with the monastery where Maria of Agreda was and just to pray there too. She's, she's incorrupt. One of my friends, a priest friend, is a, a priest in San Angelo, Texas. Maria Vagreda bi-located to San Angelo, Texas to teach the Humano Indians. So yeah, I had a, a great connection too, just in that sense with Maria Vagreda and whatnot. So, so I would love to see her a saint of the church. There's a lot of controversy surrounding her. In, in my opinion, not because of anything she wrote, it's more of a theological controversy between two different camps, which nobody's wrong. You know, that's the thing, but like, it's really a dispute between Dominicans and Franciscans, and we don't have to get into that, but yeah. <laughs> the evil one's always putting his nose into things, isn't he? And and he loves division. So he's just yeah. dividing even amazing, wonderful priests, Yeah, just dividing them to sides. But I'm telling you, this book changed my life. And my sister, if we're talking about like Mary and Martha, I'm more of a Martha and she's more of a Mary. She has a son that has is a priest and very holy person. And 
one time we were talking and she goes, Beth, I'm reading this book called The Mystical City of God. And I was like, really? Is it good? And she said, oh, you have to read it. And she knows how to get me. So she said, Beth, in the book, when Jesus is born in the manger, he talks to Mary with words. And I'm like, what? What? Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's not exactly what happened. But she gave me enough like earthly worldly food to be like, oh, I I need to read this. I want to read this. And she's like, Beth, it's private revelation. Mm. You don't have to believe it. But she's like, I love this book. It is inspiring me so much and is helping my life so much. It's helping me to believe even deeper than I already do. And she has a very deep faith. So she actually sent it to me for my birthday. My birthday was like the next week. It was two years ago. And I started reading it. But the key for me was I opened it up to Lent. That's what my sister told me to do. She goes, don't start at page one. She said, open it up to Lent and just start there. And so I did. I just opened it up. And what I want to tell people is open it up to book six. I have the abridged version and I'm going to put that version in the show notes for you so that if you want to buy my particular abridged version, if you want to buy the four volumes, that's on my list. One day I'm going to do the four volumes. Right now I have the abridged version and I opened it up to Lent and it changed my whole life, Father Looney. It brought the spiritual realm so alive for me. And it's not that I didn't believe it before. I'm a devout Catholic, lifelong Catholic, so blessed with the faith. I'm in a place, I I live a few miles down from University of Notre Dame. The actual university is a bit liberal, but there's a really very Catholic remnant there. I have churches at my disposal everywhere, Catholic churches. I could go to, you know, six or seven different ones right here. So, but this, this drove my faith into a deeper level. And then it actually helped me to spiritually fast. When I am reading something that says that the Blessed Mother is constantly followed around by 10,000 angels (laughs) and St. Michael is with her and she it's the story of her life and just how Jesus, his little shoes and his tunic grows with him. I mean, these are things for the human mind to chew on that is so beautiful it is so amazing and it's so spiritual and mystical. And that I, so I just started to invite Mary even deeper into my life, like deeper, deeper. I didn't just fast for her intentions. Before I was fasting for the Blessed Mother's intentions as well as my own spiritual and physical goals. But I found myself like beside her now fasting. I found myself like with her. It was just beautiful. It changed the whole game. It, it made spiritual fasting actually easier. Yeah, I think the mystical city of God, as you mentioned, for example, first thing, like, don't, I don't think I could recommend starting at book one. <laughs> I know people on the podcast, like, that's where we start, but it's better if you read like something around the nativity yeah. or if you read the passion or something like that, just because book one is very dense and theologically deep, especially about the Immaculate Conception. But if you could get past like the first 300 pages, it, it'll be great. So, yes, yes, yes. But, I think, too, the the great gift of the mystical city of God is that it allows us to enter into the perceived interior life of Our Lady. So as you were talking about fasting with Our Lady, her prayer, how she prayed, how she lived her life, and how we can pattern our life uh, on her example. Yes, yes. And tell me a little bit about private revelation. So some of my clients, some of the people that listen to the podcast have asked me a little bit about private revelation and how this is actually true. and. My answer is this. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it because it 
furthers my belief. It deepens my faith in the Trinity. That is one thing that it's done for me. Sure. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, like that became alive for me. It's, it's not just, I believe in God, the father almighty. I mean, like it's, I used to say the creed, like just say the creed, not quite thinking about it sometimes. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, three persons in one. I, I just, it, it, that, so I feel like anything that deepens your faith and aligns with Catholic precepts and the Catholic church has to be good, Father. Yeah. So here's the reality about the mystical city of God is that there are other revelations too. So Anne Catherine Emmerich receives the life of Jesus and Mary, and there are other accounts of the life of Mary and Jesus as well. And so some people say, and I did kind of a comparative one time of, this is what Anne Catherine Emmerich says. This is what Maria Vagreda says. This is what Mac. Oh, where is that? Uh, it was never published. So I gave it at a conference. Oh, okay. Dang. I, I want to see that. <laughs> then I, I took Maximus the Confessor. And, and essentially, not all the facts align. So like, what age was Mary when the Annunciation took place? Well, there will be differing maybe ages or where did it happen? Or So there are certain facts and whatnot. And so then like people begin asking, well, who's right? And what are we to make of it? Someone has to be wrong, right? So so what does that mean? And I think the way that we kind of respond to that is that there there can be human error in this. So, so Maria Greta receives this revelation and these messages, and and really it's her, her fruit of prayer and her conversation with Our Lady and what she believes had been revealed to her. So there could be error on her part in receiving it. Or the other fact, too, is like Maria Vagreda, I think, destroyed the mystical city of God one or two times and then rewrote it. Same thing with Divine Mercy in My Soul by St. Faustina. Like, this is something that happens. They feel unworthy of doing this. They're like, this can't be of God. They kind of distance themselves from the work. And so it could be that maybe in an earlier manuscript, it was right. And here, like, the memory is wrong. But I think how we approach it is that this is supposed to aid us. and. I think a lot of people often ask those questions, like, I want to know about the hidden life of Jesus. I want to know, like, what happened behind the scenes. And this kind of gives you that answer, some of those questions you might have. So I think we just take it. We we allow it to touch us in whatever way it does, to move us, to deepen our own thought meditation. You know, for me, one of my favorite passages in the mystical city of God is when the Holy Family, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are going into Egypt. And as they're passing by, all of these temples to false gods are falling to the ground as the true God is passing by. And that's one of my favorite things about it. You know, did it happen? I don't know. Could we maybe verify if it happened? Probably. I bet maybe someone would have written about it, but there's something there about that. What if that is, I don't want to say hyperbole or metaphor, but yeah. I, I think about, I, like, I take that into my heart yeah. as, as she is passing by, as the Blessed Virgin Mary and Jesus Christ and Joseph are passing by, false gods are being destroyed. Yeah, I think it, it's a powerful image. I just, I love that. That's, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love when they're actually going to Bethlehem. It just helps me so much. I always thought they were by themselves. Isn't that funny? And when I was reading the passage and they were with all these people and it was hard to find a donkey because there were all these people trying to find donkeys to to leave because of the census. To me, it just opened me up to like a different version of them and how they were sure. they were sanctifying people as they went. As they were passing by people, they were healed. Yeah. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's right. Yeah. 
So we think about that, like take that as a principle and translate it into our experience of Christianity and Catholicism today. Well, every time the Eucharist passes by us, well, there can be healing effects right there in that moment. And and we kind of see that in some different retreat movements and such that they really pass by. They go individually with the Blessed Sacrament to each person. This episode of yours is coming out during the season of Lent. And one of the things that I just really appreciate, too, from the mystical city of God is the fact that Mary rewalks the passion of Jesus, that she revisits these places over and over again. And that's her interior life. She's going back and remembering what God had done and what happened to her son. And and she's praying in those moments. So, you know, there's powerful things, especially for Lent, contained within the work. Oh, in book six, we have my abridged virgin, the Lent. I'm on page 332. I cannot read it here. It would take us hours. It just changes my life. I just urge everyone. I have a podcast. I already put that in the introduction, but podcast 18, I did a podcast on the mystical city of God with Michelle Dunn. And so go back to that if you really want to hear a lot about it. And here's some of the readings we read to each other and and we discuss it. One last thing on this part one, because this is a two-part series. Tell me a little bit about the importance of a Marian shrine. I have not been to Our Lady of Champion up near Green Bay, but I am going this summer to a three shrine pilgrimage, Our Lady of Lourdes in France, Our Lady of Fatima in Portugal, and Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And I am so drawn to this. And I'm going with a group of priests and nuns. It's like they're they're my Taylor Swift. I mean, I'm literally on this bus feeling like I am with rock stars. I just feel so blessed. And then going to see these Marian shrines with these priests and nuns and then other people that I love and know. Tell me about the importance of a Catholic pilgrimage and coming to Our Lady of Champion. Why? Why? Yeah, so Marian shrines throughout the world are significant, as you mentioned. Some of those shrines are dedicated to apparitions. You mentioned Fatima and Lourdes and Champion as a Marian apparition. Some of the shrines are devotional. So uh, I love going to the shrine of Our Lady of La Leche in St. Augustine, Florida. So there are different devotional shrines to Our Lady. Marian shrines are a very special place. Maybe two things about that are two quotes that I've picked up along the way. One from an interview I conducted with an individual whose name I don't even know. It it was a rector of a shrine in Belgium. It was just like we were chatting, so it wasn't recorded or anything like that. It was before I podcasted, all that stuff. But then another one I picked up from a, a radio interview. But the first thing, the rector of the shrine in Belgium said, people will never forget the address of Our Lady. And what he meant by that was that People will come to a shrine when they hit a desperate moment in their life. They will go to a Marian shrine. They don't forget about Mary. They'll light their candles. They'll pray their Hail Marys. The second thing that I picked up was from an interview on Sister Marie Pappas's uh, show on Sirius XM. She was talking to someone about Fatima. And in that, that guest said, every time I go to a Marian shrine, it's like I'm going home to my mother's house. And, And there's something special. Grace is there at a Marian shrine. Grace is there at any shrine. Grace is at your parish church. But but especially at a Marian shrine, like an apparition, the fact that so many pilgrims have been there. So when you go to Lourdes, you can think of the fact, okay, popes have been there. Fulton Sheen was there. Mother Angelica was there. So you can kind of think about all of the pilgrims that have been at these holy sites. So the place becomes holy by the fact of all of these other prayers that have been offered in this holy place. And then you have the the special event that took place there. So Champion as a Marian apparition took place in Wisconsin, received by Adele Bryce in 1859. 
And in this apparition, Mary basically says, pray for the conversion of sinners, go to the sacraments, gather the children, teach them what they need to know for salvation. And it's a very simple message. And her father built a chapel, and those chapels grew in size to this present day. The apparition was approved back in 2010, so many years after the 1859 apparition. But looking at it and saying, there's nothing contrary to faith. There's fruit here. There's a reason people should go here. So there have been numerous healings, not verified healings, but claims of healings, crutches left behind, miraculous grace stories. Yeah, truly at, at these places, you know, shrines, graves, whatever, God has a grace and we go there in search of that grace, you know? So, and to receive that, to receive whatever God wants to give us in that place. So, yeah, miraculous things happen at these Marian shrines. Oh, those are beautiful comments. And this is why I'm going as well. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. Well, if I can tell everyone in the audience, please open up the Mystical City of God book, this Lent, and just go to the part where it starts with Lent, maybe like the baptism of our Lord, and then it goes through the crucifixion. You will not be sorry. It is wonderful. And then I like to listen along with your podcast in a year because I like your comments too. The comments sure. are very helpful. If people want, they can look on YouTube for, I put the whole passion. It's eight hours. Oh. I, I took all the audio. It's on YouTube. It's also, I had a podcast. I called it How They Love Mary. I wrote a book of that title, but I rebranded the podcast. So now it's called, Hey, everybody, it's Father Edward. And so I love it's, that. <laughs> so it's, it's still the same. I kept all the How They Love Mary shows kind of to maintain the audience, I guess, in the rebrand. But really, there's an episode, and we can put it in your show notes. I'll send it to you. Uh, but people can listen to the audio. It's the passion of Jesus, oh. according to Maria Vagreda. So, Oh, I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much for this informative and wonderful conversation on the mystical city of God. This is only part one. So make sure you join us next week for part two, and we will continue our conversation on true hunger in light of fasting the eyes of the mother of God. And, and she's always pointing us to her son, Jesus, no matter what, that is her job. And Father, can you leave us with a quick blessing? Sure. So let us pray. The Lord, our God, you've given us minds to know you, ears to hear your words, eyes to see all that you do. Help us to know you more, to know especially all these events of your life so that we can better appreciate what you won for us by your death and by your resurrection. And may Almighty God bless each one of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please subscribe and even leave a five-star review if you wouldn't mind so others will hear the great message of spiritual fasting, get healthy, lose weight, and get back to the sacraments this Lent. Have a great week, my friends. I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.